welcome to the Delicious Apple Podcast. Today we're going to look at a typical week at the National Apple Museum in Biglerville, Pennsylvania. I'm Edie and I'm joined by Brandon and Cindy. All right. So I have just recently become a volunteer at the museum and I'm loving it. It's so fun. We've volunteered all year, but a really experienced volunteer is Brandon, and I was wondering if you could tell us what a typical week is like here at the Apple Museum. Um, so a typical week at the Apple Museum is basically helping out the building itself. I come with my grandpa every other week, I would say, and we usually just mow here. We maybe build something that would help out, fix fences here if they need it. Or, like today, we just chopped down or chainsawed some dead branches off of a tree. Was that from the recent storm that the branches came down, I think? No, they were, like, rotten. Oh, okay. They're kind of, like, dead branches. So we had to chainsaw that down and take it somewhere to decompose. That's great. It sounds like you're really doing the infrastructure of the museum, what keeps it standing. And I worked with my family and with our local Gettysburg DAR chapter to really clean and reorder the inside of the museum, especially after the pandemic shut everything down. We were able to go in and deep clean and reorder, put up new signs, uh, reorder the Biglerville Historical Society Library. And all of it was set out in such a beautiful way by Cindy and Bob. How did you do all that? We started two years ago and just sort of, uh, it was so overwhelming that what we decided to do was start with one project at a time so that it was not anything that you felt like you couldn't accomplish to the end. You had to do a small project and go from there. One of the things that we started with was cleaning the uh, birds had made it their home for about two years, and about 200 birds had done that. So we <laughs> had a lot of barn. remains <laughs> of the birds in the barn, uh, and it's a huge barn. Uh, so there was a lot of birds in the upper part. Uh, some of them had also found their way downstairs. So we did a lot of that. That in itself was a big help getting rid of nests and all that sort of thing. And then our next project after that was getting the barn restoration people in to get everything, all the structure, be sure that everything was all right. We got that all done. And then we went to the, uh, the main part of the barn upstairs was all carpeted with uh, lots and lots and lots of layers and lots and lots of different kind of carpet. And all that carpet was tacked down to keep it from fraying, and if you can imagine, about 4,000 square feet of very old layers of carpet, it was a mess. And I can tell you that some of the guys from the wrestling team at Big Laville, as well as some of the guy, young men from the FFA came and helped. We also had a, a gentleman who needed to do community service that came and helped. And that was one of our huge projects because it was, as I said, layers and layers and layers of old carpet. That is just one example of how the whole community in Big Laville and Adams County in general 
really has been pitching in and loving this place, I mm -hmm. think. And loving it back to life again. Right. <laughs> Which is amazing. Right. Because walking in at first, it was, if you've ever seen where they flip the houses and they go into a house that is like you think, oh, you know, I'd never ever want to live in this place. Well, that's sort of how we walked in and it was really quite needed a whole lot of attention. And so that's why, you know, whenever they, they have demo days on the flip houses, well, we had demo days right. <laughs> uh, here to get things done. And with a lot of help, we were able to get a lot of uh, the basics done and then started to do some restructuring, which like the DAR helped us with signage and things like that. That was, uh, most of it was from like 1992. Okay. So um, being in different climates, uh, climate change designs were deteriorated. They just needed done. We're still working on that. And we're looking at, you know, some things got reorganized a little bit. And Penn State is helping us in the two areas that are centered around more of their things as well. So they're working on redoing some projects that were done in 1992. We have lots of projects yet to do, but uh, we've made it so that there are lots of people that want to come and this year has been a little different, but otherwise that came and rented either the interior or the uh, pavilion. And I know the DAR ladies were there the one uh, day and they enjoyed it and everyone that has come has been very, very pleased. We've got those areas uh, not completed, but at least quite presentable now. It is really an amazing scope that this museum covers. I mean, not only the growing of the apple, then the processing and the boxing and how you would use it in the home, that's all covered on the second floor museum. And on the first floor, there's a beautiful rentable space for dances, band concerts. On Sunday, we just had a baby shower. Oh, that's great. And this uh, next week, we're having a bridal shower. And I love how you prepare the place completely sanitarily. Everything, everything. yep, everything gets done before anyone comes and everything gets done after someone leaves. That's wonderful. Everything gets sanitized, the floors, the doors, the bathrooms, the everything. That's so, great. Uh, the kitchen. <laughs> and how much of the, the cleaning part do you and your grandpa and brother help with? Are you mostly the structural? Oh, uh, we're mostly like the structural part. We don't really clean around here. The only time I've really cleaned here is if I uh, vacuumed the upstairs. Oh, that's mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. And he washed the, the floors for me, mopped the floors after I'd sprayed them the one time. That was very helpful. That's great. And mm -hmm. with all of the volunteering teams, the young kids really learn a huge amount about how to do all of the structural things, the cleaning things, and the history. I mean, it's an amazing mm -hmm. place to hang out, I would think. And Brandon and his brother, uh, Kevin, uh, built our down drain boxes for all the downspouts. Ooh, that's handy. Yeah, that was very good. Probably saved the structure mm -hmm. from rain damage, Right, too. right. They did a great job with that. <laughs> Helped me put down mold. It's just whatever's needed done. These young people have been fantastic with just saying, what can I do? What do you need me to help do? That's great. And um, Cindy, you were addressing why this museum is really representing Adams County as distinct from its York County origins? Right. The, this county started out being in Lancaster County, and we were part of that, and then it got divided off into being York County. And then because of the fact that there was just so 
much here that was rural and traveling when you needed anything first to Lancaster was ridiculous and then going to York was still ridiculous because that would take you a whole day and on the farming community a whole day is a lot to be away from your farm because you have everything to take care of from the animals to your regular just routine things to be able to do so Gettysburg became the centerpiece of Adams County and that was long before Gettysburg became the battleground area that made it even more famous but we being a rural community are a um, this is where a lot of people that live here this is where their heritage began yeah and now Brendan do you live on a farm Oh, no, I, I don't live on a farm. I get the feeling, though, talking with Miss Cindy, who grew up on a farm locally, mm. you know a lot more about that kind of life mm. than you did. Well, his grandfather yeah, owned a mm -hmm. farm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing to listen to you talk. I haven't heard you talk about your grandfather's experience, Brandon, but just the daily amount of work that a farmer had to do and this is also in my family background I mean you were sort of locked to your land to be able to live through the year correct I, I worked on the farm all the time until I was uh, 38 years old and it is a usually 16 hour day job and it is from at my house, I started at 5 o'clock in the morning to get the laundry hung out in the line so that I could be at work at 7 o'clock. Wow. And so sometimes I also put laundry out at night. It's because you knew when you were going to work and then you had to, before you went to work, have everything planned for the evening meal. But I also had two kids with me or one child with me and then three child children with me so that it ended up being you had to in the morning know what you were taking along for four of you for lunch, what you were going to be uh, contributing to their snacks and your snacks to what you were having in the evening for that meal before you left in the morning. Wow. And <laughs> so you, it, you learn to be very well organized with your time away from your job on the farm. Right. And there, you know, the uh, animals had to be fed, the calves. In the morning, I used to get up at five o'clock when I was in school to be able to feed the calves, to be able to get back down to get my shower before I went to school and I had to ride the bus and I got on the bus at 7.15. So working it, So you, if you weren't uh, awake by five o'clock and ready to go out the door by five after or 10 after you were behind because those calves are only going to drink their milk so fast. Your work though, you must have had a great sense of what that contributed to the family. Correct. You knew from when that calf was born, we usually get them when they were one or two days old. Uh -huh. And you were also there whenever it came slaughter time. Right. And you were doing that part as well. We were a family farm, so you did everything from beginning to end. The fields needed plowed. I had no brothers, so it wasn't that the brothers could do one thing and the girls the other. The girls did the same as, as what it would have been if there were brothers. It was a family farm. It is so wonderful to preserve that way of life. Oh, yes. That, you know, some of the conveniences we have today we take for granted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brandon, did you ever hear Miss Cindy talk about in the old kitchen that's represented here on the second floor in the museum, there's a, um, a wood stove 
Is that what it is for a kitchen stove? Or was no, it, it is an electric one. But what, oh, is it? Yeah, electric? it is electric one in there. But did you ever hear him talk about? Uh, the, you're talking the upstairs one. Yeah. Oh, the upstairs one. Yeah, everything there is from uh, uh, an 1898 kitchen. Okay, and you had growing up an old stove that you had a soup pot on mm -hmm. the back. Did you ever hear her talk about that? Mm -mm. No. That's where peas porridge hot comes from there because you, you would make your pot. <laughs> of whatever stew and you just kept adding your potato peelings you added your whatever to it every day and and so when you came in at whatever time whether it was your evening meal your lunch one if you came in for snack and that's what was there it was peas porridge hot peas porridge cold peas porridge in the pot nine days old well you took it however it was it was in the back of the of the stove and you got to eat from it ours we had a well that was um uh, one for soup. Oh, it was actually and built into. It the was stove. built into the okay. stove. Yeah. Now That's most right. places weren't. The one we have upstairs here in the museum gives a demonstration of if it was on top of the stove. The I stove see. up here could have been a coal, coal or a wood stove, but with that, then you got out, and if it wasn't fired up enough, that soup is going to be cold. Right. Yeah. Or cool. <laughs> and if it was fired up, you might be hot that you had to blow it. But at the end of nine days, it was pitched out. And you started. All right. <laughs> and so that's why it was nine days old. That's just one of the many wonderful stories you'll hear on yeah. the tours that of the museum. I love um, our DAR chapter did a video with the museum, and our, um, our host for that video was so excited that Cindy also got to be part of the processing machine that's on the second mm -hmm. floor, which looks kind of dangerous to me. It is very dangerous. <laughs> it's 50, hour, 50 apples a minute wow. is what it does. Uh, and let me tell you, that's uh, just over a second that it takes to core and peel that apple. And you place that apple on that little cup didn't place it on correctly, the apple would be no good for what they wanted it for because the core wouldn't be taken out properly. And that machine cored and peeled whatever went on that spot. So you had to have your timing down very well because if it happened to be your hand that was there, it cored and peeled it. Oh boy. So it was not distinguishing whether you were an apple or a person. So if you happen to get out of sync of putting it on, you stopped doing that apple and went to the next one. <laughs> Because right. you did not want to be the uh, end result of a corn peel. <laughs> and, you know, from farming through the household use, the country store example is up there, and this processing, and the scientific part of all of it, and the library for the historical society. It's just an amazing tour that people get. I remember bringing my kids to tour, and I was so excited because as a kid, I got to see a lot of the farming part of it where they'd bring in the balk bin across the street at the farm my family owned and they'd tip it into this um, conveyor grater. belt, grater, that's mm -hmm. what it was called, and it, the brushes would clean the apples and it was a wonderful fall day, crisp, you know, chilly, the smell of the wonderful apples coming in and we got to grade all of the apples. Do you know the grading machine upstairs they have? I'm, I don't really go upstairs that much. Oh, okay. Well, you have to go check it out because it's such an amazing mechanized process that's sort of mechanical for sorting the apples. 
and people stand beside it, the farmers and the family, and make sure they're sorting right, that the rotten apples get picked out, and that gets graded into boxes or sent to the packing houses. So all of that is part of the heritage that's in the community here that we share with people visiting the museum. And that just thrills me because my family is, you know, fifth and sixth generation farming here. And to see the information about the families, interviews that are up in the library, mm -hmm. pictures on the walls, it's a great tribute to all that hard work <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and what's been passed down to us because of their hard work. I mean, the fruit belt here in the county is celebrated the National Apple Harvest uh, Festival and used to be with the Apple Blossom Festival mm -hmm. and the um, farm show in Harrisburg it has uh, some displays. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't want to lose all of that information. and I'm Definitely great. not. It's our history. Right. And history, whether good or bad, right. is important. <laughs> yeah. It is important. You learn from the negatives and you take from the positives. Uh, everybody needs to learn that no matter what your heritage, no matter what the, the history is, you need to learn from it, not destroy it. Right, yeah. I just wanted to put in a little plug for the place because you're reopening in September, right? We hope. We hope right. we're able to in September. <laughs> so just now you're open to private parties mm -hmm. and concerts? Uh, and the concerts we're having to help us to get some of these things. Um, one of the farmers in the area, Ben Wank, has he's also part of a, a, a band. And they came and uh, they have been working doing... Um, their celebration of their anniversaries here so he asked if we'd be interested in having music on the porch uh, since that worked for the whole distancing and everything and he, the people that he was going to be having at their tasting room they couldn't have anymore if they we maybe could do it here and then apple the apple museum would get the donations and that's how we got started oh, okay. and uh so since july well actually since june We've been having Friday night on the porch music from 7 to 10, and we will be having that through September to October. We're not, you know, right at this point. We're up through to that point getting groups uh, and all kinds of varieties of music. Uh, and we will be having here uh, some Civil War music. The last Saturday of August here, we're having a 3 to 10 time that is like closing out summer. Uh -huh. going into fall kind of thing we'll have a food truck here and other drinks and stuff that are available so bathrooms be are available time. bathrooms are always available no matter what what it is and it's the concert can be attended by people in their cars in the oh yes lot. yes they can sit in their cars they can get out in their lawn chairs okay uh families have been bringing we have uh, have a picnic table but we have some families that have brought their trucks, put the, the tailgates down, and brought snacks and all kinds of stuff, and having a picnic while they were here listening to music. Uh, I think the community has really enjoyed having this and coming, because there are some that have been here every Friday night. That's great. It's a wonderful yep. opportunity. And all right, just to sum up our delicious Apple podcast for today, I'd love to see what you were surprised by the most in your time with the National Apple Museum here in Bigleville. Brandon, can you think of anything? Oh, yeah, I can. Okay. Um, 
thing I was most surprised of was when I first came here with my grandpa to help out. Um, he took me. He gave me like a mini tour inside, Neat. and it was really cool just seeing all this stuff in here, seeing like the display right there, seeing like I guess you would call it antiques. I would guess or like old stuff from the past that they've you know like let you see through the glass. Right. Yeah, he took me upstairs and I saw a lot of cool like statues, mannequins up there. Right. Yeah, That's neat. So, and you're ten, right? No, I'm thirteen. Oh, you're thirteen. I'm yeah. sorry about that. And so that was a while ago. I guess it's really intriguing for all ages. Would mm -hmm. you say? Yeah. That's very cool. I love the quilt he, that you have in the large room downstairs mm -hmm. because it is from eighteen. I'm not going to put it on. I think it's eighteen ninety-seven. Eighteen ninety-seven. But it is covered with all of the names from a nearby town's church, and it just gives me chills to think. Yeah. We probably both have a lot of relatives. I know I have a lot of relatives on there because they went to that church. That is so exciting. That is preserved here, and you can see, touch something that your ancestors mm -hmm. and neighbors touched that long mm -hmm. ago. It's really neat. And we have a quilt also that was celebrating the 1776 200th birthday. And Mamie Eisenhower happened to be part of the quilting club here in Bigelville, and she did one of the quilts. Oh, that's and so, cool. uh, so that was, or one of the squares in the quilt, so that was really neat too. And, and special for our DAR chapter because she was a member of our chapter. Mm -hmm. so. She was very active in this community. She and her husband like really loved this area, which is why after their presidency, this is where they came back to. He was in Colt Park for several years right. as the uh, commander there, and just grew to love the place and you can still go see the Eisenhower farm today right there's so many things to see here yeah and Cindy what was the thing that surprised you most when you came to work with the museum well I had worked with them before whenever it originally started and all that uh, with it but I must tell you one thing that uh, I had been here from probably 1988 on through been lots and lots and lots of times into the on-deck hall sat over in the other room at the desk i've been helped at the gift shop come out of the gift shop and you see the wall straight ahead we were we're honored to have the uh, road trip masters come this past year and did filming for us and we were on tv in april actually it ended up being june we were to be on in april because of other things that be delayed but there is beautiful stone walls here it is a bank barn and the stone walls are beautiful in here and all the times that all of us, all the people that came through here all the time, the one cameraman says, what is this over here in the wall? <laughs> and over in the wall, right next to the door that you walk into the on-deck hall all the time, was a bird. Oh. A bird was in that hole. I mean, it's a dead bird. Yeah. But And there was barely a skeleton left to it anymore so oh i have no idea how long it was in there <laughs> but the feathers blended in that they just looked like the stone so i mean that bird was probably in there from the time of 1980-ish whenever amazing. it started <laughs> yeah and he saw that bird and all of us that were here doing things all the time didn't for me that was just and i mean the bird was in flat right in with the stones right it wasn't <laughs> like it stood out or anything That's and that funny. spot that was there was exactly what fit that bird 
Wow. So I don't know if the bird was meant by God to be in that hole <laughs> and just happened to crawl right in there and said, this looks like a niche that fits Made me, for me. <laughs> or what. But that for me was amazing that all the years, like I said, from 1988 till now that I was here, and then all the other thousands of people from all over the world that have been here. Right. I mean, Never we've had like 50-some countries, and they're looking at every detail of everything, <laughs> and they didn't see it either. Takes an artist eye, I guess. I guess. I, I think maybe he had, you know, this widescreen. Right, that could have. <laughs> but that was amazing to me that that bird was there for all that time and didn't fall out because yes. all he had to do, all he did, I walked over and I said, oh my gosh. And I mean, I barely touched it and it fell in my hand. Wow. That's how delicate it was, but yeah. it had not moved for all that time. It's almost like a geocache. Well, I wonder it, if you have any of those here. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. The favorite boys knew bats were here. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you all for being with me today. Been and a wonderful I'm day. Great. I'm so glad to <clears throat> get this started because it's an amazing place. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to check out our website link in the show notes. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.